we want to talk about. Pastor Chris did such an excellent job last weekend. Let's give him a hand. Amen. And um, he spoke on, behold, I make all things new. And removing any, any, anything, removing anything that's blocking the dam. Amen. And so I think there's been a dam removal. And, um, and so today we can actually talk about the construction of the new. And so before we do that, I'd like to show you a clip. you this morning as I was listening to Bishop Johnson this week father I believe the operative word that came from out of his heart was focus so Lord this morning we ask you to breathe upon us we ask you Lord that you would paint a picture inside of our hearts regarding focus regarding 
extracting from our lives everything needed to fulfill your divine purpose for this city. We believe, Lord, that you sovereignly placed us here in this area at this time. We ask you, Father, that you will speak to us this morning. We ask you, Lord, that you would open our eyes that we may behold wonderful things from your word. Unless you open our eyes, we cannot see. Unless you open our ears, we cannot hear. So, Father, we ask you, our dependence is upon you, Father. Speak to us, Lord. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I was sitting, sitting down thinking about this. I was listening to a conversation about prayer. And I was really bothered by the conversation because my heart was broken on the inside because I, I, I saw in the hearts of the people who were having the conversation the, 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 the reluctance regarding prayer or the feeling that prayer does not work. And it did something to me and it stuck with me in a very big way. And so it made me begin to do some um, heart, some heart search in my own life, in my own prayer life. And I, I really do believe that sometimes we can be religious in our praying. Religion, uh, I'm going to give you a picture of religion and praying. Come on up here, Pastor Chris. So I want you to be God. I want you to be talking to me. And, and, and I'm praying, okay. Oh, God, Lord, I just thank you, Father, for the anointing. Lord, I just thank you. And I want you, you God, you're trying to talk to me. Lord, Lord, I just thank you for the anointing, Father. Send the power. Send the power. Send the anointing. Oh, God, come on down, Lord. Lord, I just thank you, Father, for the anointing. I thank you for the power. Oh, God, Lord, send your power. Now, thank you. The issue is this. If prayer is two-way, and if I have prayed and the only person who has talked is me, that's religion. Every time we close our eyes, the Holy Spirit wants to talk to us. And I, I really do believe that prayer can become boring when, when prayer can become boring when if we're doing all the talking and we never want him to talk because if he never talks, he can never give us instruction. If, we, if, if, he, if he can never talk, he can never give us wisdom. If he can never talk, he can never show us the new. If he can never talk, I mean, if, if, I'm, if, if I'm doing all the talking. So I believe that one of the changes the Lord wants to make in some of our prayer lives is that, we, that listening must become just as important as us giving petitions to the Father. I believe the other thing is when we pray and don't expect an answer or we don't have resolve in our heart that God hears us, that's a religious prayer. I believe a religious prayer is when we are praying about something and God has already given us the instruction. So when we're asking him instruction for something that, 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 that he's already given us instruction on, we open ourselves to deception. And I also believe that God has an opinion about everything. Look at, the, look at the person next to you. God has an opinion about everything. He has an opinion. He wants to talk to us. For some of us who are praying for a job and you're looking for a job, God wants to talk to you. He wants to tell you what to do. He wants to, he wants to lead you in the right direction. If you have children, God wants to talk to you. He wants to talk to you. And believe it or not, this came up in my time of prayer. God wants to talk to some of you who are desiring to be married. And many times our hearts begin to faint because we're believing God for marriage 
and we haven't postured our hearts to hear from the Father. Father has an opinion about everything. And when God speaks, when he speaks, he releases grace through his words that settles our heart. And just as the Lord told Peter to throw the net on the other side, the Father can tell you to throw the net on the other side and a divine connection can take place. God is the greatest matchmaker ever in, in the entire universe. He's been hooking people up for centuries. I'm saying that this morning because sometimes the Lord, he wants to talk to us. And so this morning we find ourselves ending a series of messages called Behold, I Make All Things New. In Isaiah, the 43rd chapter, Bishop Johnson started this series. He says, do not call to mind the former things or ponder things of the past. Behold, I will do something new. Now it will spring forth. Will you not be aware of it? I will even make a roadway in the wilderness, rivers in the desert. In Revelation 21.5, he says, and he that sat upon the throne and said, behold, I make all things new. Jesus was sitting on the throne. He says, behold, I make all things new. And then the new Jerusalem came, was coming down from heaven. Lord, have mercy. When you see that scene, the new Jerusalem coming down from heaven. Oh, that's a whole different thing. And we see a new heaven and a new earth, a, a, a earth and heaven that had never been. He says, behold, I make all things new. And I really do believe that in this hour, the Lord is speaking to Metro that behold, I am making all things new. When he says new, he's talking about brand new. He's talking about something not known before. I want to ask you a question this morning. Are you ready for the new? Are you ready for the new? Many people pray for the new, but in actuality, they do not want the new. Because if sometimes, when, I'm going to give you an example of what I'm talking about. Sometimes we're saying, God, bless me with a new job. Lord, I want more responsibility, want more money. And so God gives you the new job. And then once you get in it, you see all the new things you have to learn. You see all the complexities, the, the different dynamics of relationship. And now he brought you into the new, but you don't want the new. Because many times the new is unfamiliar. The new will always require you to leave the familiar, embrace the unfamiliar. The new may require you to move to the other side of the city. The new may require you to go back to school. Behold, I make all things new. And so when we're praying about the new thing that God wants to do, you, you want to ask, Lord, what is the new thing? <laughs> and it's interesting, he makes the statement, man, I love this. He says, he says, I will do, he says, I will do a, do something new. Will you not be aware of it? Is it possible? I'm, I'm, I'm just, just talking to you this morning. Is it possible that God is bringing you into the new and you are not aware of it? Is it possible he closed that job down because he wanted to bring you into the new? Come on. <laughs> are you aware of the new thing God is doing inside of you? And it's interesting, many times when God does a new thing inside of you, he, he will change your appetite. I know for me, for the, last, for the last year, God has, I've been praying, I said, God, I just really want you to change my appetite regarding eating. I wanted you to help me change my diet. 
it was a different kind of prayer. <laughs> it was a different kind of prayer. And guess what he did? He started changing my diet. And I, I found myself not having a taste for certain foods. And I found myself not wanting to eat till I was full. I, I, found, I, found, I found myself uh, being able to, to walk away from ice cream, my God. I, I found myself stop saying, because it's a holiday or a special day, I can take a vacation from my diet. I, 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 it was what I'm talking about it was something new and I had to participate with the new and many times God is bringing the new into our lives and we are not willing to participate in the new he, he was he, and he's still changing the diet man, man I mean even to the point now man I'm, I'm it's, it's been really strange. I, I, I have literally d developed this voracious appetite for vegetables. My wife will tell you, I'm, I sit there and eat a whole plate of vegetables. I know that's God. <laughs> and I know the Lord wants to do more in that area, but I'm, I'm, I'm saying that you have to be aware of the new. The familiar keeps us from the new because it offers comfort and safety. You have to consider this. Consider having a new job. When you have a new job, man, it's unfamiliar. When you, man, when you, man, I'm going to tell you something. You get married, praise God. Man, I'm going to tell you something. Marriage is an adjustment. It's, now, hear me. Hear me when I say it. It is an adjustment. Because everything that you knew, it changes. The biggest change in your life is when you can no longer say, this is mine. Oh, my God. You walk into what? The new. And you don't know what this is, you don't know what this is about until you are in it. You can read a thousand books. But until you are there in the new. A new house, a new car, first baby. Oh, Jesus. Oh, God. Man, I remember when we brought Walter home for the first time and we were driving the car and, and, and Jane was over there. She was crying. I was looking at her, and, and, I, and, she, and I said, why, why are you crying? And, and she was talking about, man, what are we going to do with him? <laughs> I was saying the same thing. <laughs> what are we going to do? We're bringing this baby home. We had never. And then all of a sudden, your whole life changed. The new brings change. I need to speed this up. If God is going to fulfill his word of making a roadway in your desert or rivers in your desert, you must be ready for the new. You must be willing to embrace it on a small level. Many times when God does something new, it requires your participation. So a person said, well, I'm, 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 I'm praying, I'm believing God for a job. I'm just, I'm just going to stay here and, and, and I'm just going to stay in the house. No, 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 no. You, you, you pray. But guess what? You're going to have to get on that internet. You're going to have to do the searching. You're going to have to do the networking. And, and while you're doing all of that, you give God something to work with. Lord have mercy. 
When you give him something to work with, you, you get, all of a sudden, you turn the computer on. You begin to network. You begin to talk to people. You begin to look here and there. And now the world is open and the Father is able to order your steps. When God brings, he says, I will give you, I will build a roadway in the desert. I will create rivers in the desert. Guess what? Roadways have to be constructed. And rivers have to be dug out. The new will require our participation. What new thing is God bringing you into? What's required in your journey into the new? What's required? Number one. You must receive the kingdom as a child. You must receive the kingdom as a child. You must be childlike. That's Mark, the 10th chapter, the 15th verse. The Bible says in Proverbs, the first chapter, the fifth verse, a wise man will hear and increase in learning. If you want to move into the new, you got to be like a child. You notice how children, they're constantly learning new things. They're constantly wandering around the house. They're in this place of discovery. Man, they're looking at things, man. And some kind of way they get your phone and start playing with your phone. And before you know it, man, they know how to operate it. Man, they know how to turn it on, turn it off. They know how to play games on it. And, you try, and you're still trying yourself trying to learn how to turn it on. And, and, and so, and so you, you, you find children are acquisitive. And, and, and when children are small, I mean, the, I don't want to say the Bible, but technology says the brains of a child is rapidly growing. So part, if you want to enter the new, you got to be willing to learn some new things. Come on, saints. Tell the person next to you, I'm willing to learn some new things. You, you, you got to face it. You got, you got to learn technology. Yeah, you, you have to learn how to, 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 to become mobile in, in social media. You, you have to learn how to network. You have to, you have to learn. It's not, it's not a, you, we're living in a time where you can't say, well, I'm, I'm not familiar with this. For not being familiar is not an excuse to not move in the new. excuse. I'm old. It's not an excuse. Man, I'm, 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 I'm constantly reading. I love to read biographies. Man, Grandma Moses, that woman discovered she had a latent talent when she was 70 years old. She discovered she had an ability to paint. And she painted portraits even in her 90s. I'm too old to learn. Oh, child, you know, you know, it's just time for me to rest right now. No, 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 no. If you, if, if you want to enter the news, I'm, I'm, I'm saying this because the word of the Lord, we're in a season of acceleration. We're in a season where God is speeding everything up. We're in a season, even in this house, where God is speeding things up. We're in a season of acceleration. And we, and, oh my God. The Bible says the spirit of a man is the lamp of the Lord. The Bible says the spirit of a man is the lamp of the Lord. Proverbs 20, 27. And the, and the reason why this is interesting is because when God comes to live inside of you, when you are born again, your, before you were born again, your spirit, that part of you that's made in the image of God, that part of you was dead. That part of you was not alive unto God. That part of you was not able to perceive the presence of God. When Jesus came into your life, man, it was like a singularity went off inside of your spirit. It's a brilliant light God set on the throne of your the spirit of a man is the lamp of the Lord. And, the, and how he lights that lamp is with revelation. So Paul tells us in Ephesians 1, 
13, 14, he says, I, I pray continuously that the church would be filled with the spirit of wisdom and revelation. And this is in our saints that we must begin to pray, Lord, Lord, give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Christ Jesus. Lord, illuminate my understanding. Lord, open, part the veil so that I can see what you're doing, so that I can see what you're doing. Give me revelation in the area of my specialty. Give me revelation in, in regarding my business. Lord, show me something that nobody knows. Lord, have mercy. The spirit of man, the spirit of the man is the candle of the Lord. The Bible says the Holy Spirit will show you things to come. If the Holy Spirit is showing you things to come, then that means he is showing you the new. Because things to come has never been before. And I'm here to tell you that pr prophets are not the only people that know things to come. God will reveal his secrets to you. In order to embrace the new, we must focus. Say focus. Your life will go in the direction of your aim. If you're not aiming at nothing, guess what? Your life will go in that direction. Nothing. If you're just aiming, most of your time is on the television. Guess what? Your life will go in the direction of the television. The battle of your life is for your mind. And the battle of your mind is for your focus. The essence of spiritual warfare is broken focus. Because anytime you start focusing on the right thing, the enemy will always try to break your focus. That's, that's the whole essence of spiritual warfare. You start a business and the business starts growing. And, it's, and so guess what happens? He tries to do what? Break your focus. And all of a sudden, you begin to interpret. I guess he doesn't want me in business. All this stuff is happening. Everything is turning. The, the enemy was working to do what? Break your focus. How many of you have been experiencing broken focus lately? How many of you have been experiencing in your walk, in your walk with God? You, you sit down to pray, and the enemy comes in, and he tries to break your focus. If you, now you have to understand this. If the enemy is constantly attacking you, it's because it's something he does not want you to discover that God wants to do with you. You are a threat to the enemy. And you need to discover what's in you that is a threat to the enemy so that you can become what you were supposed to become. This thing, man, man, he will use temptation. He will use sin. He will use interruptions. He will use conflict to break your focus. He will use offense to break your focus. And the worst thing is for you to get it all at one time. You can't hit a target you can't see. Abraham and Sarah could not have any children. But God had a plan for Abraham. And the Lord said to Abraham in Genesis 13, 14, the Lord said to Abraham after Lot separated from him, now look up your eyes and look from the place where you are. Northward, southward, eastward, Westward, for all the land which you see, say see, I will give it to you and to your descendants forever. I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth so that if anyone can number the dust of the earth, then your descendants can also be numbered. And then the Lord later on told Abraham in Genesis 15, he says, look towards heaven and number the stars. And if you're able to number them, then he says, so shall your descendants be 
Jesus says in Mark, the 11th chapter, the 23rd verse, Jesus said, have faith in God. He says, have the faith of God. Truly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, how many of you got some mountains right now? How many of you got some? He said, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea and does not doubt in your heart. But believe what he says is going to happen. Did he say that? It will be granted him. Therefore, I say, all things for which you pray and ask, believe that you will receive them and they will be granted you. What you have to deduce from what I've just read is that first, first of all, you cannot please God without faith. Say, without faith, I cannot please God. Bishop Johnson has preached that God grows us up spiritually by exercising our faith. Now, it's something interesting. The Bible says faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith sees the result of what you're asking for. Faith sees the result. If you cannot see the result, if you cannot visualize it, it has not taken hold of your heart. Faith is a vision lit by the spirit of wisdom and revelation upon the canvas of your imagination. Faith is the substantiation of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. When you have faith in your heart, it is evidence that what you are believing to manifest is already here. So, if I came to the church this morning and saw my Bible laying, laying here on the floor, I was getting ready to throw my laptop, my iPad on the floor. Thank you, Jesus. I didn't do that. I was getting ready to do it. Oh, Jesus, y'all would have saw a grown man cry. <laughs> so, if I came to church this morning and saw my Bible laying on the stage, you can conclude that I've been there. Now, if my Bible was there, you have evidence that I was there, right? The evidence is not the real thing, which is me, right? But the evidence is proof that I was there. If you deposited $10,000 in the bank, the teller gives you a, what, bank slip that $10,000 was deposited. The bank receipt is not the $10,000. You can't purchase anything with the, with the bank receipt. But it is what? Evidence. It's proof. Faith is an evidence of the things not experienced. Things hoped for in this passage mean things that are in the future. Things not seen means things that we cannot see with our visible eyes. When faith it is present, it is the sure evidence that it is coming to pass in the natural realm. Faith is required when the things that you have prayed for is not in manifestation. So what God does, he gives you a what? A bank receipt which is called assurance. The conviction of things hoped for in your heart. Now, it's interesting that it took 25 years for vision, for the vision to be completely built up in Abraham's heart and one year of confessing to manifest the outcome of his faith. It took 25 years 15 to 25 years of Abraham visualizing the sand as his descendants, visualizing the stars as his descendants. Night and day, it took 25 years and one year of confessing. Now, this is the revelation here. The image you have of yourself in your heart, 
the image you have of your circumstance, the image that you and I have of our future is what we're going to produce in this life. I want you to take, I want you to do this hard examination with me this morning. I want you to do this examination because we, you and I, we are where we are in accordance to our vision. I want you to think about it. Think about it. You live where you are in accordance to what you, the image you have had of yourself living. You work where you work in accordance to the image you have of yourself. Many of us, we repeat the same circumstances because that's the image we have. Some of us, we have the image. Man, some of us won't try nothing because, you know, it's one thing to wish it, but when you look in your heart, you have not, you wish you had a business. You want to have a business, but you've never seen yourself in a business. And I'm here to tell you that you, you won't, you won't, you won't possess a business until you see yourself there. And then once you see yourself in that business, that business will not metamorphose unless you see it metamorphosing. It will not grow unless you see it growing. You have to see other departments. You have to see people there. You have to see your life will not go further than what you see. And that's startling. I don't know if that's not startling to you. But it's startling to me. How many of you say, show your eye? You got to think about it. There are people who are just, I mean, Lord, help me to say it right. There, there are people who, whom the Lord has put a different vision in them, in their heart but they're living by the image constructed by their circumstances. And they justify where they are in life by excuses, which is nothing in their instance but another form of laziness. Because many times, laziness is birthed out of fear. Laziness is birthed out of fear. Procrastination is birthed out of fear because the thing that's being demanded of you is higher than your sense or perception of yourself. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And when the demands are made on you that are beyond the, the perception you have of yourself, you can come up conveniently with an excuse, man. You can come up, oh, Lord, my leg is hurt. Oh, Lord, I got a headache. Oh, oh. Oh, oh, I'm just too old. Oh, I'm just too tired. I just can't do that. <laughs> Man, I, I don't know about you, but that, that's, that's scary. Think about it. You are where you, you live, where you are because of how what you see, you haven't seen yourself. Now you've thought about it being better, but you have not imagined it. It has not been an image in your heart. As a man thinketh, so is he. What you think about yourself in your heart For some of us, man, stuff happened while we grew up. Things happened in your life. But I'm here to tell you, man, that's not an excuse. And the reason why I'm saying it's not an excuse, man, is because at Metro, we have encounter retreats. At Metro, man, we have deliverance services. At Metro, man, I want to tell you something. When you get a new picture of yourself and when you want things to be better, I'm going to tell you something. You'll make sure yourself is in every encounter possible until the right image is inside of your heart.
Man, I'm, I've been around guys who look strong, but they are weak. You start talking to them about the future. You start talking to them about things being better. And man, the little boy, the, the, the childishness comes out. The fear, I can't do this. I, it won't happen. And all of those. Man. I, I didn't tolerate that in my boys. Mm -mm. No, 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 no. So I'm not mad with anybody. I'm mad with the devil. We are where we are because of where we have seen ourselves. Some of you, man, God called you to be a master seamstress. Some of you, God called, I mean, God called, some of you, man, God, God gave you incredible ideals regarding machines and, and regarding making things. God put witty inventions, but, but what kept you from doing? It's the sense of self. I don't want to fail. So if, if I won't fail, if I never try it. Sometimes... You know there's more, but the negative images of your life and circumstances hold you stronger than the bars of a prison door. What you hold in your imagination is the seed of your future. So what you constantly think about, see, this, this is one of the reasons, I got to move on. This is one of the reasons, man, I can tell, when, when I learn who your heroes are, I know what your values are. That's why ladies and men, whoever you marry, you need to find out who their heroes are because their real values are hidden in who they consider to be their heroes. See, when you really get serious about this, I'm going to tell you something. When you get really serious about this, what I'm talking about today, for some of you right now, it's time right now. The Lord, you at a cross. Some of you are at a crossroad right now in your life. You're sick and tired of how things are. You're tired of going around the cycle. But for some of you, 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 you have to change who you hang with. Because when the devil wants to enter your life, he will always come through a relationship. And some of you have never seen the pattern. Every time you get things going good, every, you, everything starts going good, and then the devil brings somebody in your life. And now you find yourself off track. The battleground is for our imagination. If the enemy has your imagination, he has you but greater is he in you than he that's in the world. So, we getting ready to close this up. All right. Look at Matthew eleven twenty three. 23. It says, have the faith of God. It says, have the, have, have the faith of God. First of all, you got to receive the rhema. What God speaks, when God speaks a word, it produces a picture. He says, he says, whoever says to the mountain, he says, does not doubt in his heart. What you believe in your heart with confidence becomes your reality. Signs, and signs accompany whatever you believe. What signs are accompanying your belief system? Doubt is nothing but a wrong image. And he says, believe, man, I looked at it, he says, and believe it shall happen. He's talking about a picture. What you expect in your heart with conviction becomes self-fulfilling prophecy. Our steps are literally ordered by our expectations. Some psychiatrists say 85% of our actions are the result of our expectation. Then he turns around. So 75% of what he's talking about in this passage has to do with what you see. He says, now, after you get your seeing right, then he turns around and says, he shall have whatever he says. Lord, have mercy. Man, that started messing with me. I, 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 I picked up several different, minister I picked up several different translations because I couldn't believe it. It says, you shall have whatever he says. Whatever he says, you shall have. But the preface for that is what you're holding in your imagination. 
God required Abraham for 25 years to get the image right. And then one year he required of him to speak what he was seeing. And so he says here in this passage, you shall have whatever you say. Some people have been, been, uh, been speaking what they want, but the image hasn't changed in their heart. And the image has to change. All right, saints. <laughs> so how do you hold, how do you, how do you nurture vision? How do you, how, how many of you want to know how to do that? How, how, how do you, how do you, how do you nurture vision in your heart so that you can walk across that, that roadway in the desert? I'm going to tell you something. You got to feed your faith. Lord, have mercy. You got to feed your faith. You can't feed your faith coming to church every other Sunday. You can't feed your you can't you can't feed your faith having devotion twice a week, once a week. I want to tell you something. If you want to feed your faith, you have to be in the house of God. You you, you have to be where the water is being poured out. I'm feeding your faith. You have to feed you I'm I'm going to say this. You, you have to intentionally feed your you, you, you have to intentionally do it. You, you, you have to speak it. You have to receive from the word of God. You have to make up in your mind, I'm going to be intentional about this. I'm going to be intentional about this. I'm, Pastor Chris, I'm gonna, you, you have to be intentional. I'm going to have the best business. It's going to be worldwide. Everybody is going to seek me out for what, what, what the Lord has given me to do. But, but you have to be what? You have to be intentional. You got to feed your faith. You feed your faith by feeding the image. You feed the image with the word of God. You feed the image by by. by I want to tell you one of the greatest ways to feed the image is to hold the image that God has put in your heart for what he wants you to do. And while you hold it in your heart in prayer, you begin to pray in tongues for about 30 minutes, for about an hour, holding that vision, holding that thing inside of your heart that God spoke to you to do. And then after a while, what happens is that that baby will begin to kick inside of you. Lord, have mercy. That baby will begin to kick inside of you. You will hear the Lord speak to you out of what he's been showing you in the image and he will give you direction saying you, you, you're not hearing this what happens when you begin to hold that vision of what God said to you what he spoke to you in your heart and you're bathing it with the word of God and some of you man you pray but you don't pray in tongues you don't pray in the spirit some of you some of you man man what you want to do you want to get that thing inside of you you want to meditate you want to meditate on that vision in the presence of the Lord you want to look at it. You want to see it. You want to see all the rooms. You want to see all the details because really you don't have faith for it until the picture becomes clear. The picture has to become clear. And, and really what happens, we have to pray. So when you're praying, when you're praying in tongues, when you're seeking the face of God and you're saying, Lord, I want what you want. I believe you gave this to me. And you're holding that baby in your heart in the presence of the Lord. Then I'm going to tell you something. What will happen now is that all of a sudden, because you are holding that thing inside of your heart like Mary was pregnant with a baby like Elizabeth was pregnant with a baby Mary said I need to go see Elizabeth I need to go see Elizabeth and then all of us but Elizabeth really needed to see Mary because the baby that was inside of Elizabeth that baby had moved in a while that baby was still in her womb for a while but when Mary came the baby began to leap for joy the baby began to kick for joy and when we hold what God has given us in our heart we hold that image we pray that image we speak that image we declare that image that baby will kick and not only that but everything you need will start to come towards you See, when we nurture our faith, attraction occurs. And God says, draw near to me, and I will what? I draw near to you. <laughs> Man, you got to think about this. When the prodigal son drew near to the father, guess what happened? The father drew near to him, Lord Jesus. Attraction, Lord, have mercy. Jesus said, if I be lifted up from the earth, all men will come to me. 
if you will lift them up, saints. I'm telling you right now, man, we have prayed over this neighborhood. We have prayed, we have prayed, we have prayed. I'm going to tell you something. The airways in this neighborhood is very, very thin right now. I'm going to tell you something. The strongholds that once has been over this place, the darkness that has once ruled this area, it is so thin now. This is the reason why the enemy has been fighting us so much because he don't want us to know how thin the atmosphere. He doesn't want us to see that this neighborhood is full of light. He does not want us to see that it's full of life and that all we have to do is begin to walk by faith, saints, and begin to retrieve the harvest in this region. The Lord says, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. Amen. It's not by compulsion. It's not by trying to make people do anything. It's just you and I standing our God-given covenant rights on this ground. Lord, have mercy. We unpacked our bags years ago and said, God, we're not moving. We're not leaving. We believe that you called us to be here. And the Lord is saying to Metro today, because you unpack your bags, because you chose to stay here to retrieve a harvest, take the sickle, thrust it into the ground, and reap the harvest that I have set aside for you. But I'm here to tell you that one of the things that God wants to do inside of us, he wants to remove everything inside of us. Oh man, this neighborhood is full of every nation. It's full of every people group, amen. And we have to come to a place, everybody in this church have to come to a place that we love every nation, every people, the way God loves them, amen, amen. We gotta love people, we gotta love people. That's been the restraint right there. That's been the restraint right there. We gotta love people, we gotta love the harvest. We gotta love the harvest, he says. He got to love the harvest. The Lord is saying, yes, the harvest is white. The harvest is white, the harvest is white. The ground is full of, it's white with harvest, it says in John 4. But if you, if you, if you, if you talk about white people all day long and you come in the house of God and God wants to give us a harvest and, and, and you have hatred in your heart, he can't bring that harvest in that he wants to bring. Amen. There's a precious seed that God wants to bring into this house. The Lord wants to bring Emory University inside of this church. He wants to bring men and women, families from CDC, from the Emory Hospital System. He wants to reap a harvest among the Jewish nations in this neighborhood. But where is our harvest large enough to receive the harvest he has for us? Do we love the harvest he loves? Lord have mercy. Lord, I've done what you told me to do. Do we love the harvest he loves? Do we love the harvest he loves? God loves people. He don't see skin. God loves people. He doesn't cease him. His blood was shed for all nations, for all people. Hallelujah. And Metro, that threshold, the Lord is calling us to cross right here. And as we see the nations, as he sees the nations, this house, shall be filled with the nations of the earth over and over and over again. You may stand.